1: Uh, hey, guess what, guys? We got a letter. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Would you like me to read it to you? Sure, of course. Right. Sit back and relax. And hey, if you want to send us a letter to be read on the podcast, you can send us an email at letters at sickboypodcast.com. I feel this... like we should draw a warm bath and like light some candles. Uh, okay. Uh, let's take 30 minutes and do that. Okay. We'll be right back. <clears throat> All right, we're back and we're in the bath, and uh, so we're gonna. I'm gonna read you guys this letter. It's a very short one, but this is in response to uh, last week when we were talking about how nerds have a uh, greater chance of not catching COVID because they wear glasses. Everyone knows that nerds wear glasses, and Mm so uh, you know, me and Lauren, uh, we were speculating that well, maybe that makes sense because uh, glasses are PPE. And Taylor, uh, Taylor refused to believe that. He thought that was absolute poppycock. And so That's a um mischaracterization, but th- this letter comes in from okay. Steph and she says, "Hey guys, I'm not an MD." Oh, well then. Fuck. <laughs> never mind yeah, the rest fuck. of this. Yeah. <laughs> cast
3: immediate <laughs> doubt cast upon this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Steph. Uh, hey
1: guys, I'm not an MD, but I am finishing my PhD. Oh, oh, she she's pulling it back. A smart person doctor. In immunology. Immunology. <laughs> and glasses are definitely PPE. I was doing some work in a COVID lab at Dow during quarantine, and we were groaning, we were gowning up and all that jazz including goggles especially with the aerosol transmission of this virus having your eyes unprotected is essentially like walking around with your mouth wide open
3: all the time
0: well, thank you <laughs> uh, steph for goggles
3: clar- and glasses well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, when I go swimming in the pool, I just put on my glasses,
0: <laughs> dude. I think it's kind of like the difference between like an N95 and a cloth mask. Though. There, you, there you go, Brian. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. That yeah. that
3: that letter sounds uh, just a as checkmate. suspicious as mail-in voting. <laughs> hey, Steph. <laughs> hey, Steph. If you're listening,
1: if you're listening to this right now, Steph, I hear you. I appreciate you, and <laughs> I, see I you. and I believe you, and I see you. And Taylor, if you want to if you want to email him directly, it's Taylor. At sickboypodcast.com. dot com, just send him, send him your hate mail. Direct your hate uh, hey, mail to Taylor. Um,
3: I I have um I have something that, that came into our uh a social a social media. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before that I that I wanted to read on this because because oh, okay. I've been I've been picking up on some some stuff that's been coming into our inbox and our socials and stuff and you know I pay attention to technology and so and so, social media accounts and whatnot. I'm sure you and, do. And um and this was from uh, this was from our friend Megan who we who was past guest on the show. Uh, we talked to her about her OCD and how she deletes all of her email accounts and everything and restarts from scratch. I
1: love that episode. All the way all the it's, way from Vancouver. That was a wonderful was a trip. trip. that was a year ago
3: that's right so she she tagged us in a post on uh in her uh, instagram story yesterday and said the fact that it's been a year since i recorded my sick boy podcast episode is insane by letting all of my past go and putting it into the world and feeling like i don't have to hide who i am i have never felt more happy healthy and whole despite the obvious chaos and calamities that we we are all experiencing globally i had a pretty amazing year still so incredibly grateful to sick boy podcast for having me on speak up Tell your story, love and accept yourself, and also listen to Sick Boy podcast. Thanks for the plug; they are sick, pun inten- accidentally but officially intended. Oh, right. they, you left
1: out you left out the I, I read the same post. You left out that little part at the end, though
3: p.s uh, jeremy saunders I, is, is my, my favorite, favorite. Yeah? taylor is no, no, my no. favorite no, no. uh yep hey. right there at the hey. bottom Taylor's i like how you guys P. have P. to try to fight
0: favorite. for that when we all know that i'm everybody's favorite
3: well she said it right there in the post taylor p.s at taylor McGilvery is that's funny uh, though She uh, spelled I was... taylor McGilvery j-e-r-e-m-i-e-s-a-u-n-d-e-r-s
1: <laughs> <laughs> um well that's really sweet and um and and to to you meg we we miss you we hope you're doing well over in vancouver and uh, to all of our past guests, we miss all of you. And we, and we love you and we hope you're all doing good wherever you are. Um, but if you are one of our past guests and you live in Texas, oh, sweet bejesus. Look at Look at oh.
3: Did you guys see this? Lauren, Lauren, cover your ears. Yeah, well, actually. Uh, oh, I've I s-
2: got my glasses on <laughs> just for this conversation. <laughs> yeah. I put you're, them back you're on. You're officially
3: protected. <laughs>
2: oh, Lauren, I am. Lauren, for,
1: for those of you who don't know, Lauren's actually from, uh, from Texas. Uh, Lauren, you're going to want to wear more than just glasses for this one. Eight Texas mm. cities. Eight Texas cities were alerted to a brain-eating am- amoeba found in the mm. water supply. Residents of eight cities, that is a lot of cities, eight cities have been alerted that a brain-eating amoeba was found in, in a southeast Texas water supply, leading to one of the town one of the towns to issue a disaster declaration. The Texas Commission on Environmental Quality issued a water advisory to residents served by the Brazopore Water Authority, warning customers not to use any water due to the presence of Nagleria fowleri, a brain-eating well, amoeba found in the water supply, on yeah. Friday evening.
0: Jar, <laughs> I'm going to have to interrupt you there because th- we we need somebody to curate the articles that we're reading for Feel Good Friday because to me this is just not a feel good story. And like I came here for some laughs and some fun, and I'm finding out about a brain-eating well, amoeba in the water supply.
3: I he- I heard about this on uh, I was uh. uh Philip DeFranco covered this a couple of days ago on uh, on his show and um and uh, I guess a the the way that it came to attention or one of the ways that it came to attention was it was a, a, a young boy died. Oh no. A kid died. Man. And uh and he got really sick and that led <sighs> to, you know, testing and all that stuff and they found this. I want to know how this like how does that arise? I mean like just in the same way that just as the like, we're so we spend so much time thinking about like, how the fuck does COVID come into the world and and spread in the way and and yeah. originate? Like, how does an amoeba? I don't really know well, anything. We don't about know. That well, shit. But we well, can speculate.
2: Next week, <laughs> next week on next Feel Good Friday, uh, you guys are going to be speaking to uh, somebody that studies uh, wastewater. Hey-o. Oh. Yeah, you right. might be we'll able to shed some light on that. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll add that to the notes. Uh, according Absolutely. to the Centers Fantastic. for
1: Disease and Control and Prevention, the brain-eating amoeba is commonly found in soil, warm lakes, rivers, and hot springs. It can also be found in poorly maintained or unchlorinated pools and in warm water discharge from industrial plants. I
0: hate
3: that word wow. yeah. discharge. Yeah. Discharge is a pretty pretty narrow word.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like it's you know, it's like. Um, it it seems like it's it's one of those things that starts to like fester like sitting in like warm sitting water I hate that word uh, fester too well, they I shut down they shut
3: down they shut down lakes here intermittently throughout the summer when when yeah. we don't have uh is it when we don't have rain for a while or like when yeah. there's no wind and there's no rain
0: yeah it's usually because of um still water when the water's sitting and uh i believe duck poop is one yeah. of the like, yeah. uh, leading factors to that. I, I think it's like some type of, I don't want to say E. coli, or blue green algae maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, something mm. like that. Hey, folks, uh, definitely take everything you hear on this show as gospel. Uh, especially, yeah, let's speculate more. Especially anything that just comes out of our mouths that isn't being read from the internet. Uh, by the way, this is an article coming from the CNN by Lauren M. Johnson. Uh, the, the disaster declaration was issued in a place called Lake Jackson. Um, and residents are still being urged to heed the do not use water advisory until the Brazzaport water authority has completed an adequate flush out of its water systems. So this made me think about how, um, a, that's just, that's wackadoo. That would be like, that's just so crazy. But also it, um, I've been doing, I've been using, like, I'm a, I'm a pretty big, uh, pretty big believer in, well, actually, I, I need to use it anyway, like I'm prescribed to use it, but I think everyone should really be using it kind of like daily, but um, a sinus rinse. So basically, if you're not familiar with it, it's like, it's a bottle. Uh, it's a bottle, probably like a 300 milliliter bottle, maybe a little less. And you fill it with like lukewarm water and you put a saline solution in it and you put it in, you you plug one nostril with like the the cap of it and then you you squeeze and it like i like it like the i mean it is it's kind of a violent flush of like your sinuses so it's like the water pressure is like pretty high and but you gently squeeze the bottle and it goes like in the nostril Fucking rinses out the f- the whole inside of your... everything
0: that's festering. Oh, everything It's, just, that... it's all discharged it, it, straight oh, out oh, of the other nostril. It, oh, yeah.
1: Yo, oh, it, is it white? It, well, is some, it like a whitish yellow? Sometimes it's white, sometimes it's green, sometimes it comes. That's what comes to my mind when I think of yeah. discharge. It's and and so you, no. yellowish
3: white. You do once
1: you do one side, and then it, it all blasts out the other the other nostril that's not plugged, and then you you do the the reverse side. So I do it every day when I'm in the shower. And I get I get snot and boogers all over my feet. It's great, and Wait. then and then I and then I reverse. I do the other side, and it's it's actually. So I also use palmicort in there, which reduces the swelling in my sinuses because I have it's like aren't, comorbid with CF sinus problems.
0: Aren't you supposed to use distilled water though? Isn't there like a you're not supposed to use tap it's water? A boiler, yes,
1: boil it right. And so do you use tap water. I I do. And so here's oh. so here's the thing. It's <laughs> I have never used distilled water because. It's just way too much effort, you know. I'm in the shower; the water's coming out of that fucking tap right there in front of my face. I just Hot stick it enough. in there. It's warm. Yeah, I, yeah. I plug it in there and just get that water from there.
3: You know what? That boil that w- boil water order down in Texas. I mean, like fucking just ignore it. Like you know what I mean? Like just ignore it because like. It's too much effort. Water's to like already boil boiling water. in Texas. God, I mean, it's so gotta, fucking hot. Like you gotta drink yeah. and you gotta make stuff with water. Just like well, don't even uh, do it. Here's the thing is
1: that this article about this uh, let me try to say this one more time. Uh nage nage lyria fowlery. Um, those infections are rare and most are fatal. And from 2009 to 2018, only 34 infections were reported in the United States. Of those reported cases, 30 people were infected by recreational water. Now, there was a story that came out um, maybe about a year and a half ago of an older lady who, I don't know if if it was the Nalgeria Fowlery, but she did get some sort of brain-eating amoeba and she got it from using her sinus rinse and using oh, just regular no. tap water. And I got really scared for like a couple of days, but I didn't stop. And so I'm kind of like, is that sort of the same as like a smoker who's like, oh yeah, my my grandpa died of lung cancer and that's really scary. And he smoked every day, but god damn, I, I'm just going to keep smoking these cigarettes. Because like it, the silence yeah. rinse is addictive.
3: <clears throat> I think it, I think is it depends that? on where you're, it is. On
1: like, it, what's it, going on in
3: your water. It is addictive. It feels yeah. incredible. It feels incredible I, it is such a like neti, i used to neti pot i used to neti pot almost every day yeah um it's it, probably a couple of years where i was doing it almost do you daily. go
2: do you go through withdrawal when you don't use this device you, yeah
1: you, well yeah because my sinuses start to get all fucking blocked up and H- shitty you, and fucking it just like it reduces inflammation in my face like it's if i didn't use it like you, like right here that part yeah. of my nose gets so swollen it's fucking crazy if you watch you, if you watch the sick boy doc i must have not been using it for a bit but like in the sick i re rewatched the sick boy doc the other night uh because my my girlfriend hadn't seen it and i was like oh my god dude my face is
3: i've i've never noticed that but now that you say that i totally know what you mean yeah yeah it sometimes Yo, it just so, gets
1: really
0: swollen have you, have you ever used it when you haven't used it for a few days and you go to squeeze it and it doesn't come out of the other nostril and it kind of goes like up into your like almost feels like it goes up into your brain and is like this intense pressure in the no, top like no. above the bridge of your nose? No, and the reason oh, is, sucks. Brian, is
1: because I I blow my nose, nose kind of regularly and I don't know what's going on with your sinuses, but you need to like, you have, <laughs> oh, the, you have, oh, Brian, you have the craziest nah. snot Dude. Build up i've yeah. ever yeah, that's I, that's healthy no that? dude yes Brian, dude. when you
3: sneeze yes
1: ryan i i really don't want dude, to tell him I'm a the specimen
0: public. i don't Brian a sneezes specimen. and he and he, and he, don't he, covers his, he covers
3: this. his nose and then he and then you he, can he tell sneezes the into his hands and then he he does this thing where you like where he then holds his hands like up, you know how surgeons <laughs> hold their their hands away from their face after they've sanitized. He yeah. kind of like he kind of does that with his hands because it's just snot, and he doesn't, all over his he, hands. doesn't he, he doesn't say he it. He doesn't say it, but know you know what can to do. You can see it in his face where he go, he'll go, <laughs> and, then, and then
1: and then he and then he holds his hands away, and he doesn't say it, but you can hear it so loud where you, you can just hear him internally going. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just...
0: That's the way I feel. That's the way I feel, dude. When it's just
1: when it's dripping off my fingers, I'm like, oh no. It looks oh, like it no. looks like it looks like uh uh the end of a bukkake scene in his
3: <laughs> It's a hand Buka- exactly, It's like yeah. a hand bukkake.
1: That's exactly it. Just a hundred <laughs> men just jizzed all over his hands. And it's like it's like there's there's weight to the snot. <laughs> oh, that's nasty. You know what, you know what though? Uh, another,
0: another, another comment on the water thing so when i was working in real estate we have to we had to test the water supply and primarily we did it um at houses that were on uh wells right and you would be surprised how often those tests come back with something wrong with the water or something like not ideal so i would say like definitely more than 50 percent of the time we would have to hire somebody to come in to like put different chemicals into the well to like adjust the balance of it to make sure that it wasn't going to get people sick
3: but are we, and like are we sometimes talk,
0: people would be living like using the water actively and we would test it of the seller's house, and we'd be like hey by the way like you could be like
1: getting sick from your water right but now. are we are we talking like you know like 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 sort of rust content or like 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 high in i, I don't really know the, the, like, um, the sometimes, that be, sometimes sometimes
0: but, but, but there's more um arsenic, arsenic. is one oh, yeah so whoa, like arsenic would bad. be a common one that sounds really bad it, it, it does sound bad. It's usually in small enough amounts that it doesn't really affect your body. Um, right. but it, like if it's there in substantial enough amounts, then it can make you really mm. fucking sick.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. out in cow Bay, uh, I, uh, I was at John's place. I know cow Bay, I don't know if it was whatever well that John's host was on which if I'm for sure for all our like listeners from
1: around the world John is a guy that we hang out with and Cow Bay is a small <laughs> yeah. community yeah. in Nova yeah. Scotia and just some inside things that you would have no fucking clue about but anyway well, well I'm probably
3: not talking about someplace in BC so um they've got arsenic in the water and and they're on, they were at least this was probably about a year ago they were on a you know, you should boil, you should boil your water or use, or like buy your water from a, you know, um, mm. buy one, a like water a merchant, like five, five, yeah. Water merchant from like the five gallon, you know, like the water cooler jugs, like instead of, instead of, yeah. Instead of using the uh, tap water because there was like two, the, the levels of arsenic, like from like the city was telling the residents, like, Hey, there's high content arsenic in the water right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, And usually it's not as much, it's not, as often a problem uh, that in houses that are on municipal services, but it still does happen. Mm-hmm. Like we had mm-hmm. a we had a boil water mm-hmm. water advisory in Nova Scotia not too long ago in in the city, but um, but uh, Indigenous reserves, Native reserves, Ooh. like Ooh. they have boil water advisories sometimes indefinitely. Oh, there's and yeah, there's a it, bunch it, of places. It, in So Canada. like we're talking about yeah. Texas where it's like oh. You know, it's happening because there's this amoeba, but there's places where you you can't drink clean water in Canada,
1: which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Back to this article here. It says the incident started on September 8th when the city was made aware of a six-year-old, so this is what you were saying, Tay, a six-year-old boy who was hospitalized with the amoeba. The boy's problem was traced back to two possible sources, a water fountain splash pad in front of Lake Jackson Civic Center. So like, you know, a fun kind of like, like, water attraction right, and where's lake
3: jackson because like i mean we need like some more context <laughs> to the area and like wh- uh, where it is Where sorry <laughs> yeah yeah because uh, like, I, cause like yeah, for the people around the world that are listening like who's how are they gonna know
2: <laughs> it's in southeast texas i knew
3: lauren knew where it was <laughs> um well, or you or
2: never, you said it was in southeast texas so <laughs> thank, thank, i have a I, I remembered one thing thank you but like it's pretty dire because texas is such like a, a pool and outside water recreation culture just because it's hot as fuck yeah most right. of the year like what yeah. a canadian would consider summer weather in texas lasts pretty well pretty well from like april to now yeah and, so, and everything's
0: bigger in texas so like even they're like outbreaks of amoeba brain-eating
1: amoebas like those are bigger too and yeah, the, the, pool's yeah. in the water and, the and everything so it's just fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just because you're from texas though lauren doesn't mean you have to call it a cesspool um <clears throat> anyway <clears throat> <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's really that's really spooky and uh and hey Happy, happy October 1st, everyone. It's the spookiest. Well, we're, we're recording this on October 1st, but happy October 2nd. Uh, it's the spookiest month of the year. And there's a little spook for you. So, 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 so if you did, if you learn anything, uh, little monsters live in your water supply and don't stick it in your nose. Don't jump in it on the splash pad and don't drink it. Um, uh, feeling good yet. (laughs) Let's move on. Uh, I I actually, I I do want to, I want to talk to you guys about, um, about this, uh, this medium, um, article that was brought to my attention by Lauren and, uh, Lauren, I believe you were, you were put onto this by Brene Brown's podcast. Um, who is a wonderful, wonderful speaker and woman? And if you're not familiar with Brene Brown's work, I, I highly suggest you check it out. But um, this is a really interesting article, and I, I kind of want to like, kind of want to just like break it down and and use it as a bit of a prompt to like talk to you guys about just you know a little like check in. We talk about COVID a lot <clears throat> on these Friday episodes, but usually we're talking about it from the perspective of like different healthcare professionals or different people, specialists in the, in the realm of COVID and, and all the, like the interesting ways that we can look at it. But um, this gets a little more like personal. Uh, the article title is your quote, surge capacity is depleted. It's why you feel awful. Here's how to pull yourself out of despair and live your life. So <clears throat> this, this whole uh, piece that was written by Tara Hale on August 17th, It's about a 13-minute read. Highly suggest you go check it out. Um, She talks about this thing called surge capacity. Uh, It says here, quote, In those early months, um, surge capacity is a collection of adaptive systems, mental and physical, that humans draw on for short-term survival in acutely stressful situations such as natural disasters. But natural disasters occur over a short period, even if recovery is long. Pandemics are different. The disaster itself stretches out indefinitely. So it's this idea of this, like, you know, the system that we have at play where it's like a survival mechanism. It's this thing that we use to kind of like get us through a really, I hate to say it, but gonna say it, unprecedented and like challenging time, right? The she goes on to say, quote, the pandemic has demonstrated both what we can do with surge capacity and the limits of surge capacity when it's depleted. It has to be renewed. But what happens when you struggle to renew it because the emergency phase has now become chronic? And so, you know, it goes on. The article goes on to describe um, describe a few different things going into how. We really are like we're living we're living through a disaster that I think we all know we're we're living through a disaster. But it's like unlike anything we've ever been through. Um, And because it's so unique, a lot of us might underestimate how severe the the adversity truly is um, because it, it sort of taps into this idea of ambiguous loss. Have you ever heard of that that term ambiguous loss?
3: No, no.
1: So ambiguous loss, uh, she goes to say, quote, our culture is very solution-oriented, which is a good way of thinking for many things. It's partly responsible for getting a man on the moon and a rover on Mars and all the things we've done in, in this country that are wonderful, but it's a very destructive way of thinking when you're faced with a problem that has no solution, at least for a while. That means reckoning with what's called ambiguous loss. Any loss that's unclear, or lacks a resolution. It can be physical, such as a missing person, or the loss of a limb or an organ, or psychological, such as a family member with dementia or a serious addiction. Quote, in this case, it is a loss of a way of life, of the ability to meet up with your friends and extended family. It is perhaps a loss of trust in our government. It's the loss of our freedom to move about our daily life as we're used to. It's also the loss of high-quality education or the overall educational experience we're used to, giving school closures, modified openings, and virtual schooling. It's the loss of rituals, such as weddings, graduations, and funerals, and even lesser rituals, such as going to the gym. <clears throat> so, it, you know, ambiguous loss is like, it's this, yeah, it's, it's the loss of things that Mm -hmm. there's no it's not like a you can't quantify yeah yeah exactly you know there's an uncertainty to it yeah Mm -hmm. and the reason why i kind of wanted to talk about this was i was so i i um my friend daniel is a is a singer songwriter and he's he's um he's releasing an album next week and so on october 9th i'm gonna go to the carlton which is a, a a small music venue here in halifax and daniel's gonna do a release a CD release party. And of course it's going to be like socially distant, you, like you can only sit at tables of like 2 or 4 with your groups and yada yada whatever. But I'm like dying for this moment to come. You know, it's like the first live event, live show that I've been to in fucking several months. And I was thinking about like how crazy lucky we are, and, and when I say we, I'm specifically talking about, like, Taylor, Lauren, Brian, myself, like, how lucky we are that we live here in Nova Scotia because where we are is, like, very unique compared to the rest of the country, compared to the rest of the, the continent, compared to a lot of places in the world. And it, although things seem, like, like kind of like business as usual with uh, with a few weird modifications um i feel as though we like winter is coming you know and like like <laughs> straight up game of thrones shit like winter's coming and and i think it's gonna get um i think it's gonna get really tough for a lot of people it's already really tough for a lot of people but i think it's gonna like, here
3: or everywhere i
1: th- I think everywhere i think everywhere including yeah. here you know it's especially especially once winter hits i think it's gonna be really tough and, yeah, to and why
3: why why here specifically Mostly just because, sure. in like in in light of what you just said, of it being like pretty much normal, like business as usual, save a few.
1: Because I I think that things. I think I, I mean I, again, so this is coming back to this like ambiguous loss. It's it, it's I it's so hard to there's no guarantee. Like there's no there's no saying what might happen. Although what is like more likely than not to happen is that like. Life isn't. Life's not gonna go back to normal, for a, a few years. You know, like, and what the fuck? Yeah, is it's normal gonna be a new like, normal. Yeah, it'll yeah, be a new yeah, normal. Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, and fuck that, that, that and, and fuck that fucking statement. But like, but actually, you know, like, there's, and and the like. I think with the with the change of the season, when we start getting into the time of the year where it's like, it's a lot harder for us to it's a lot harder for a lot of people to like get out and about um, and f- like feeling even more secluded than we already are. I just, I think it's, it's going to be, I think it's uh, going to be, I think it's going to be really tough for a lot of people.
0: It's, yeah. inter- it's interesting because I understand what you're saying and when you started to lay out those things like, you know, we we can't see people in, in groups the way, that we, we can't go to weddings, we can't go to these events, we can't do this and that, it starts to... Um, make what I've lost personally during the pandemic more real. Like I start to think about it more actively. Right. But with that being said, (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about psychedelics lately and especially our conversation with, um, the doctor, what, what's his name? <clears throat> uh, Dr. Dr. O'Sullivan, O'Sullivan and Dr. Tom O'Sullivan. Th- those episodes O'Sullivan. Have, they, they, they it, haven't it come, out, come yet, out yet, but, but it's going to come up. Yeah. But uh, Sean O'Sullivan said he, it was a quote by Ramdas or teaching from Ramdas mm-hmm. that he was talking about when you take psychedelics and expand your consciousness, mm-hmm. the immediate things in your life that cause you dis ease or, or that you struggle to cope with, mm-hmm. those things become. Lesser because they exist in consciousness as you experience it on a day-to-day basis, not in the wider scope of consciousness that you consciousness that you realize is possible. And so I feel like I had like my default mode or default way of thinking is you know, the problems that we're experiencing exist, but in the grand scheme of things for me. I'm able to like kind of compartmentalize those things, right. Put them off to the side. And and like, I I feel like I'm doing well overall. Like I feel really happy and content with life right now. But when I, when I kind of like zoom in on those things and look at what I have tangibly had to, you know, stop doing during the pandemic or the way that affects, you know, I think of like right now I'm in Halifax and Maddie is in, Quebec city and I don't get to spend time with her and that sucks and I can't just travel back and forth and see her so it has affected my life in a way that that makes me feel you know sad and feel like I'm grieving the loss of something but my default like kind of walk around way of thinking is in the grand scheme grand scheme of things it's it's not so bad or it could be worth worse. Yeah. I haven't lost anybody directly to COVID-19. So, yeah. I mean, if
1: I had, I think that would really shift the way that I think about yeah. this too. It's, it's really interesting that you say that. So that this, this article continues. It says do psychedelics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's funny because like, like w- w- I, I actually did, I actually took like a, a, a little like, little like one day vacation, went to a cabin and, and did some psychedelics recently. And, and, and that's, I think this is like, it's one of the things that sort of sparked this, this mode of thinking, because like, I feel the same way as you, but, I, but I'm also, mm-hmm. I'm also, and after reading this article, I'm, I I was like, it, it kind of spurred a bit of, uh, just like some internal prompting to like question these things for myself. But I should char- say that I don't, I don't think that we should try to
0: compartmentalize and walk away from that feeling of grief and to that, because I think that it's important to acknowledge what this has done to yeah. our lives <clears throat>
1: Well, so Tara, who wrote this article, she, she goes on to, to specifically break down like uh, understanding the different stages of grief and and like how that plays a part. But but then you know, she as she's writing this article, she's speaking to a series of different professionals um, in the field of like psychology and and the ways that we 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 go about our day to day life, and uh, she she breaks down a few sort of like. Pieces of wisdom to cope with the pandemic where we are now and going forward. Um, And it's it's funny, like you basically, Bry, you kind of like touched on one of those specific things. So you know, there's the there's uh, accept that life is different right now. It's like okay, accepting that we're we're living in a shitty time. Um, But but also like acceptance doesn't mean giving up. Uh, Mm. There's expect less from yourself. So there's a whole paragraph on on that. Uh, again, like I just said, recognizing the different aspects of grief. But this one was really interesting, and this is kind of where you were at, Bri. And this is the first time I've ever, I've ever read something like this, but I thought to myself, oh, I think I'm doing that, and without even really noticing. Um, experiment with, quote, both and thinking. This approach may not work for everyone, but Boss says there's an alternative to binary thinking that many people find helpful in dealing with ambiguous loss. She calls it Both and thinking. And sometimes it means embracing a bit of the irrational. For the families of soldiers missing in action in Vietnam that Boss studied early in her career or the family members of victims of plane crashes where the bodies aren't recovered, this type of thinking means thinking he is both living and maybe not. She is probably dead, but maybe not. Quote, if you stay in the rational when nothing else is rational, like right now, then you'll just stress yourself out, she says. What I say with ambiguous loss is the situation is crazy, not the person. The situation is pathological, not the person. An analog, how do you say this word? Analogous, analogous, analogous? Analogous. Analogous approach during the pandemic might be, quote, this is terrible and many people are dying, and this is also a time for our families to come closer together, Boss says. On a more personal Mm -hmm. level, I am highly competent, and right now I am flowing with the tide day to day. And like that's a mode of thinking that I think, I think like I've also fallen into. And I think I think a, a lot of that has to do with like you guys and and this podcast and like the conversations mm. that we're we're setting ourselves up to have. You know, it's like yeah, it's just, things fucking suck, but also there's there's a lot that I've taken from all of this, and there's there, you know, there's something, i something I'm okay. There's something comforting
0: it's sad. It's both comforting and sad Mm -hmm. that we're all dealing with this together. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're all sharing this kind Mm -hmm. of shitty experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of want to change, um, like stay on this topic, but change the change a little bit about what we're talking about. And just saying the saying that, um, sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel like when people continue, continuously talk about how shitty it is, that that makes me feel more shitty than how shitty the situation really is.
3: Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think I,
2: I, 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 yeah, go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to say that. I think that that's a great time to like in situations of grief and loss, like it's super corny, but, and I think we were talking about it last night, even on the Patreon hang, but it's a good time to practice gratitude. Mm. Like when I, like there are so many things like that, I don't know, have, have gotten, have gotten me down and everyone has their own shitty little, Stuff they're dealing with like for me for example like i don't i'm not gonna see my parents or any of my family for christmas this Mm -hmm. year i've kind of been realizing and that was kind of kind of like had me down but like i have my health i have i have my job i have amazing friends here like i have you guys there's so much that i have to be grateful for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i've been focusing on that yeah it's not it's not (laughs) a
1: competition lauren my dog died you know so like yeah,
3: (laughs) yeah you know i feel like um i i I've kind of just been listening because I've been, I've, A, I've been trying to kind of like wrap my head around the concept of, of, uh, of what you laid out there, Jared, in the article and like what Ooh. the author is talking about. And, and then, and then also listening to <coughs> to you, Brian, the idea of like what you are, you know, you can worry about things on like a broad scale, but like on the day to day you don't like, they don't really enter, mm-hmm. enter your, your field of your, your field of vision. And like, I'm, I'm probably like, I'm probably like adaptive to a fault where, where it's like, Hey, this is how it is. You know, that's just it. Like there's no point in thinking about the things that, that, uh, you know, I'm, I've lost and because there's been, there's been, you know, plenty, there's been, there's plenty, but I don't spend much time thinking about them or, or any really. Um, and, and, and that probably doesn't serve me the best, but, I know that the adaptiveness does because it allows me to go through my day-to-day life on like in a very, in a very like normal and business as usual way. And like, I I can be happy and everything, but, and that's just the way that my mind is. And that's the, and that's the, and, and, and in contrast, there's plenty of people that like on the other end of the spectrum, like dwell in like the past and the future mm-hmm. in a way, like in a, in a constant state of past and future. And the, the, what I, what, Someone, I can't remember who said it there. It might have been you, Bri. Like, not about this, but about realizing the state of the world. When you said that people talk about how shitty it is. When I get stoned, I just become so fucking aware of how bonkers the world is at this moment (laughs) in in relation to, in relation to, like, like January. (laughs) Like, you know, in January, COVID and all that shit was just, it was, you know, hey, there's this thing going on in China and, like... Maybe, maybe not. In December, November, like not a peep, no, like mm. just nothing about it. Life as we've known it for the all the years that we've been on this planet, all you know, business normal as fuck. And then all of a sudden, like that's so different. And and I never think about that until I get stoned. And then all of a sudden, the part of my brain that allows me to like look out into the future and look into the past is like switched on. Mm. That's and wild. I go, and I'm like, whoa, dude. This shit is crazy. We're on lockdown. Everyone has to wear masks all the time. Like just now, like just now, (laughs) like it's happening. Businesses can only, you you have to be apart from people. The way people interact on the sidewalks is different. The way people talk to each other in public, how we go places, how we travel or lack thereof, like every aspect of the world is different than it was, you know, eight months ago, nine months ago. And that just becomes so fucking apparent to me. Like, you know, and then <laughs> hey, do <laughs> you expire. feel like when,
0: when you're, when you're not stoned and you feel like, you, you know, I, I totally agree. You're, you're very adaptive, very pragmatic, like handle things as they come. Ooh. Don't worry. You, you don't, you oftentimes don't worry about anything. Do you find that there, do you think that there, if you like really think about it, do you think there's a cost to it? Or do you think that it's just like an efficiency mechanism that's almost built into your brain?
3: Do you think that there's a cost? Sorry, can like, you like, do you think there's a that?
0: negative, like, negative, because at- you said, uh, well, there, w- you, there you will, there default to
1: yeah. to a fault. <laughs> there, there, uh, will uh, there will be, there uh, will be, Brian. Uh, like when <laughs> when his left nut starts turning black, and and he's just looking at it, going, uh ah, hmm. it'll take hmm. care of itself. Like, I and mean, that that will be a problem. And and we'll find him, you know. We'll like Kylo will be away, and and we'll go over <laughs> and like knock on the door, and and he won't answer. And then you know it's like good thing, good thing. I know the 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 passcode to his door locker, and and I, I press it, and open it up, and then he'll just be there with like this, like bloated, you know. And he's been laying there for like weeks and like, anyway, you know, wait, it's, wait, like wait. it's like his like body's morphed into the bed a bit because like we we all know this when bodies decay on a bed they they sort of become the bed oh, and gosh. so and it's like oh, wow. and that and the, and then and then then you and i bry we'll, we'll look at each other and we'll go it, it was a problem
2: the the
0: the reason why <laughs> i ask is is you said you're like sometimes you're almost adaptive to, to a fault and and i'm curious it like what would be the fault? Because as somebody like I identify as somebody who overthinks things and and probably reacts too emotionally to to things sometimes. And so when I see you handle situations in in such a calm and collected manner, I'm like, man, I wish sometimes I could handle things like Taylor and just not worry and be adaptive and brush things off. And uh, but then I wonder, like, do you see any negative Um, consequences to that. I mean, I would negative side effects that
3: I would, I I mean, because I'm always, because I'm my, because my first thought is always how to like defend my position. I would, (laughs) I would, I would, I would, (laughs) I would instinctively say no, but I know that there is. And I know that there is on like a, on a more there. I don't think that there is a fault on a long-term horizon. I think there is on a short-term horizon on a day-to-day basis where, um, where a situation happens and it doesn't just involve me, but it involves somebody else, and in like in like really insane situations, I think that app a- a- that adaptive, adaptivity ad- adaptiveness whatever the word is adaptability. is is adaptability <laughs> is, is well it could be I mean we could just we could just invent those two others because adaptontility adaptontility <laughs> I think that it I think that it is it is it is the it is the best place to be in really crazy crazy situations because it's like hey fucking tighten your shoes and let's fucking do this because we don't have time mm. to think about this bullshit right now and be worried we need to do it but in less insane situations which is like 99% of uh things i can be i can be um uh, maybe not as conscious of like the emotional the emotional um, toll that maybe a situation takes on somebody. So you know something happens and and somebody feels a way about it. And I'm like, you don't have to feel a way about it. You just have to handle it. Like and 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 you know and and someone like Kyla is obviously the one that would take the brunt of this. Um, is like, well, I do feel a way about it, <laughs> and uh, and I and I can't just ignore that. Um, hmm. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I realize I feel like I've actually since COVID I've actually been, um, quite a bit better at that because we spend so much more time together. Mm-hmm. Um, and better at I feel it like, for
1: real, or like better at faking it like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> better at it,
3: better at it for real. Um, uh, and I feel because I feel like, but but again, that's that is that is in and of itself a a a symptom of adaptiv of uh, of
0: adaptability
3: adaptability because i started spending way more time with with kyla just as a consequence of fucking lockdown and everything and quarantine and everything and because oh. of that situation i had to adapt to be more emotional <laughs> So I guess t- short answer is no, Brian, there's no
2: fault. <laughs> You're here first. Taylor has Dude, no flaws. Fucking
3: perfect just a, br- a brief psychoanalysis said, of Taylor McGillivray. Said like a true
1: Ted Bundy. That's good. Um, yeah. Well, you know, this was, uh, this was, uh, I, I just, you know, I wanted to kind of put this out there for some food for thought because it's, it's, uh, again, it's one of those things that we're all collectively living through right now. And it's one of those things that I think is like really good to, if you're a listener of this podcast and you have been listening for a long time, like, yeah, we, we get silly sometimes and we talk about stuff that's like, like just out there, you know, not, not important, but like, you know, things like things like dolphins catching COVID or like whatever, but it it's, I think it's good to like return to return to, to kind of like home base and check in with yourself and check in with like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Like, are you, are you failing to recognize that like this fucking is going to continue for a long time? Mm -hmm. And if so, like maybe just take a, take a moment to like sit down and whip out a journal and write down some thoughts and like do a bit of like internal investigating as to how you currently feel and, and what your thoughts are and, Again, like I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll put it in the, the show notes, but a link to that, to that, uh, that medium article. Um, <clears throat> your surge capacity is depleted and what it's why you feel awful by Tara Hale. Um, I just, I just want to add read to like
0: this, this conversation that we just had as a group of friends is, is what makes me love you guys and, and, and what it's what makes us best friends because mm. I feel like I can talk to you about things that make me feel shitty, that are hard for me. I can ask you questions about yourselves and and just the way we're able to be open and honest with each other. Like, forget the podcast, whatever. Like, I'm so grateful that I have you guys in my life. And I think, again, Jerry, you kind of touched on it, but like that's definitely this relationship has definitely helped me get through this for
1: sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things that makes that, that I love about you the most and in particular, Brian is your, is your willingness to critique my nudes and to give me tips on how to just like, you know, when I just want to like take pictures of my sweet, sweet, supple, supple, oiled up naked body. uh, When you you want to know
0: which one to send, I tell you, Number yeah. one. Yeah. That one looks best. Yeah. Mm, That's absolutely. a flattering angle. Mm.
1: Hey, uh, you know what's gonna be really interesting and fun is this conversation that we're about to throw to. Um, this is it's a it, it's we're gonna we're gonna shift it a bit uh and get a little bit fun and tap into our our uh, feminine energy. We are talking with Joss Frank of Wild Womb. And uh Wild Womb, if you aren't familiar with the work that Joss does, uh Guides women to be their most authentic selves by embracing their feminine experiences, sexuality, and creativity. Uh, We actually haven't spoken to her yet we're going to record this later today but i know we're going to be uh pro-
3: you can just not say that and <laughs> well, no one knows Yeah, no one would know but but we i just you know, ended
1: there I, I want to be honest and and say that i don't I, who knows where this will go but i have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna nerd out on some yoga and i have a feeling we're gonna nerd out on some uh some western psychology and eastern medicine type stuff so uh really looking forward to this conversation i hope it's as good as i imagine it to be And uh, we will, well, well, we just hope that you fucking enjoy it too. So without further ado, uh, this is our conversation with Joss Frank. I'm recording. Hey, Joss.
0: Here we
4: go.
1: Okay. uh, uh, We've got four (coughs) going here. Okay, Brian, I'll get you to clap into your microphone in three, two, one. And then Taylor, same thing. Three, two, and one. Okay. Here we go. Um, All right. I was saying this before the recording started, but uh, I'm really excited to dive head first, eyes closed, heart and ears wide open, into uh, the conversation we're about to have with Joss Frank uh, of Wild Womb. Why don't we Why don't we just kick it off with Joss? How about you uh, describe to us um, a who you are and what is Wild Womb and and what's uh, what is the what's the background to Wild Womb?
4: Mm Hmm. Okay, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so honored to be on this. Uh, So my name is Joss or Jocelyn, and I'm an Indigenous Black BIPOC yogini, yoga teacher, originally from Alberta, now in Vancouver. And my offering is called Wild Womb, and it helps women reclaim their feminine power. Which is very, very possible. (laughs) Uh, And it's my passion, and it's something that has helped me heal a lot of womb-based trauma. And Mm. so I've sort of brought these teachings over from my time overseas, from all of my personal experiences. And now I'm bringing it to as many women as I can in Canada here.
1: Mm. Yeah, so uh, kind of excited. One of the reasons why why we're so excited to talk to you is uh, Taylor, Brian, and myself. We we're we are also all three of us are yoga instructors, um, nice. and it's been a big it, it been a big part of our life now for almost the better part of a decade. Um, mm-hmm. And decade. Um, so it's always fun to like nerd out with uh, with fellow yogis. But I know that you are you're midway through your yoga therapist accredi- accreditation, yoga therapy accreditation. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is, what is, uh, so first of all, what is, uh, what is yoga therapy, um, in, in, in your words and, and then also what is womb yoga?
4: Yeah. Excellent questions. Okay. So I've never really fit in, in a yoga studio teaching environment ever. Um, although I took my certification, I just, it never really jived with me. And the reason it didn't is because I would walk into studios and, you know, as a woman, we go through these rhythms every month. If you're a woman who bleeds every month, you go through four seasons where you're feeling like you're in your winter, you're feeling in your spring and your summer and your fall. And you walk into this, you know, yoga space and nobody talks about your feminine experiences. Nobody mentions your bleed or your postnatal recovery or menopause It's this sort of hidden experience, yet it's so huge and prominent in our lives. So that sort of put me on a quest to...
1: Sorry, Joss. Just hold on one second. Uh, Somehow we lost Taylor. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fuck. Technology. Um, so we had a little te- technical difficulties there. Uh, Taylor heard the, as soon as he heard uh, menstruation, he got spooked and left the conversation. Yeah.
3: Uh, Taylor, welcome I like back. That. I hope you. I hope you are feeling okay. I'm coming, go, come, I'm coming back with. Uh, I've taken a couple deep breaths. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying to, to just. I'm trying to stuff stuff my 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 my, my just just masculine Discomfort aversion to to <laughs> menstruation <laughs> down as, as far as i can like and, i said taylor
1: diving yeah, head to... first oh, uh, heart open uh, ears open and mm-hmm. uh, don't over your eyes um josh <laughs> so if i, I if you want to continue from where you were but I, we were you were talking about um your experience in in um entering yoga studios and mm. and these these sort of un unspoken experiences that, that you've noticed women, um, having gone through, and this has put you on this journey. If, 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 if that jots your memory yeah. at all there.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically I was just really frustrated and I was also really irritated with walking into studio spaces and male teachers telling me, you know, don't do a headstand if you're bleeding and then just, mm-hmm. you know, continue on with the class. I'm like, well, why? And like, do you even know why? Are you just saying that? Cause you heard someone else say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so-
3: that's ex- that, it, which is exactly what they're doing. Yeah.
2: totally.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I wanted right? to just jump, jump on that. Why, because, Why is it? Uh, we, we had a, um, so I run it, I run a yoga teacher training. Um, I own a yoga studio and, and, uh, and we run a teacher training and, and one of, um, one of the things that we do throughout the yoga te- throughout the teacher training is we have tons of different styles of yoga we do a, a lot of our practices are like just going into like different schools of yoga so we're doing ashtanga we're doing iyengar um we're doing hatha we're doing vinyasa we're doing yeah you know, like we just kind of throw everything in there and um and when we did ashtanga <clears throat> which was taught by a very good friend of mine and a, te- and a wonderful teacher but um she she was she she started practice and basically said she basically said hey if you're if you're on your period just don't do practice today and because, you know, you shouldn't practice yoga on your menstrual cycle, blah, 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 blah thing. Like, and it's like, and I'm not, I'm not new to that, to that, and to hearing that in yoga. Um, and, um, but I definitely don't subscribe to it. And, and, uh, and then after that class, um, you know, somebody asked her why. And it was pretty much just like a, a whole bunch of, 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 you know, old school bullshit from, from, you know, well, my teacher told me that. And then my teacher learned it from this person and this person, this person, like, and I mean, if you go back, if you just go back two generations of yoga teaching, you're at, you're at only males because, because, because people doing yoga, people doing yoga is almost been entirely male throughout history until the last like 50, 30 or 40 years, basically. And then, and then right after that, we did our we did a session with uh with the person who does our um anatomy and this guy's a, a an e r doc and been been a doc a, a, a medical doctor for decades and Then the question came up there, and he was like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard <laughs> to not do yoga, do headstand handstand whatever, do inversions, <laughs> any of that stuff while you're menstruating because just from a scientific perspective. It makes zero sense. Well dude, and, you and, don't want
0: to get your blood all over your face.
3: Just, yeah. You don't want it to come out of your nose. Um, <laughs> it's just like something that it's just something that has come up that like I, I whenever I hear that in the yoga world, I'm just like, Ugh. It's just one of those mm. things that keeps going around and drives me nuts. Sorry. Just yeah. rant in, over. In, yeah.
1: In your in your in your investigation there, like, what did you what did you what did you come to find?
4: Okay, so that happened in the studios, but I didn't know what to do with it, and I knew that I didn't want to give up yoga, but I knew that I couldn't teach it mm. like in good faith the way that I was teaching it. So I sort of stepped away from it, and I discovered you know, this whole new form of yoga that nobody talks about called womb yoga, and it mm. was developed by Uma Dinsmore, who is my mentor and an absolute legend, and she sort of was fed up she's like, you know what? This makes no sense. Why are we doing a yoga that isn't connecting women to their cyclical rhythm? That's what it should Mm. be about. So she wrote a Bible, basically. It's a huge book called Yoni Shakti. And she just rewrote the script. And she said, you know what? (laughs) Yoga was made for the male body, straight up. And people are still teaching that in studios today. And it's pulling women away from their power.
2: Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it?
0: I I don't want to use the word like traditional practice, but for lack of a better word, the traditional practice that doesn't take into account um, the cycle of what it means to be a woman or a person with a vagina.
4: So most studios, most teachers are offering a practice that is very masculine based. It's almost like military style. Very much like you're being ordered of what to do. Lift your right arm, do this, compare, compete. Oh, you can't do that pose, but the person next to you can do it. A lot of people go into these spaces Mm -hmm. and they're left feeling disempowered. So, you know, and especially if you're a woman and you're going into a space and you're on like, you know, the fifth day of your bleed and you're being told to do all these wild poses and you're like, you know what? I actually don't want to do that today. And now I feel like shit because I can't. So I'm going to push myself because I should. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so everything that this practice offers in womb yoga is about a woman connecting to her inner wisdom and saying what do I feel like today and how can I nurture and nourish where I'm at today and then you leave the practice feeling like you know your body more so you build connection to your body you build connection to your cycle if you're a woman who bleeds and you build confidence and awareness.
1: Is that so? You know, in this in this journey and, and starting to learn these things, did you? What kind of changes did you start to notice in your own? Whether whether it's your own practice or your or your own like day to day life, like did you start to? Because a, a lot of the seams, a lot of the the wording and the the verbiage that you're using are things like you know internal wisdom and and like like empowerment and confidence, like did, were you starting to, by, by sort of sinking your teeth into this, this, this new practice that you stumbled upon, did you start to like see that, that those, those, uh, those experiences to start to like sprout up in your own life?
4: Yeah. Like it completely changed my life. And it was really weird because, you know, I was living overseas. I was living in Thailand and I'd done all this training, you know, like standard yoga training and you know, pasana meditations and all this stuff, but I still didn't feel better. And mm. I was like, is there something wrong with me? Because I should be like all enlightened. and <laughs> feel so great, but I still That's feel right. like shit. I still have all this trauma mm. from sexual assault, from emotional, physical abuse, and all these little unspoken things that women don't talk about, you know, whether it comes to womb traumas, abuse, you know, endometriosis, um, prolapse, all this stuff. And I was like, it's Ooh. not getting addressed in a yoga environment. So when I did start doing the womb yoga and not just womb yoga, just gathering with women in general, like going to really kind of spiritual holistic gatherings that offered connection with other women talking about, you know, our menstruation, menopause, postnatal recovery, you know, I did all of it. So it wasn't just one thing, but when I collectively did all of this, that's when I started to find the shift and that's when I, it was a mindset shift where I was like, wow, my blood is my power. (laughs) It's not a burden. It's not bad. It's not shameful, Mm. you know? And like the things that I've been through are my empowerment story. So it was like a complete mindset Mm. shift. And then all the little things that I did, like all these little modalities, I, I put it together and I created my course, which is reclaim your feminine power.
3: Mm. Where do you, where do you find, I'm trying to, I was just the thing that you just said there where you said that it is your power, that your blood is your power. I was that, that kind of, I'm trying to formulate this question sort of like on the spot, but when we, when we, we've talked a lot about, we've talked a lot about, well, illness and we've, and, and we've, you know, we've covered endometriosis a, a couple of times on the show mm-hmm. and, and I'm thinking about the sort of stigma that comes, that seems to come with, um, with menstruation and, and sort of like, I, you know, I know Jeremy was joking there about when I, when I, when I got kicked off and that it was because I'm squeamish about menstruation, which, um, I hope everyone picked up on that as a joke, but, um, that, that, that is something that that is not uncommon for people to feel that way. And that, that obviously, if, if somebody is uncomfortable with it, it it's going to breed stigma because then if someone's, uncomfortable with it, then it's going to cause somebody else who experiences that menstruation to be uncomfortable with it, to think, well, maybe this isn't something that is, you know, something that maybe this is something that I need to hide or whatever. Is that, do you, where do you see that in the social consciousness now? Is it, is it changing? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is it the same in terms of how people generally view this, I mean, essential, <laughs> extremely essential, uh, <laughs> aspect of being a person to that, you know, is one of the reasons why everybody else gets created in the world.
4: Right. Yes. So shockingly, it's not getting nearly as positive and embraced as it should be. And mm. your blood, a woman's blood is her fifth vital sign you know, just as important as checking your blood pressure. Okay, so this is huge. And so when I work with women, I encourage them to do rituals with their blood to taste their blood to smell it to feel it to like know your blood inside and out. But unfortunately, you know, women are sort of raised in a society predominantly, where guilt and shame for their blood starts the minute they start bleeding. And the way that I work mm-hmm. is I was, with the subtle bodies, which is sort of like, um, an Eastern philosophy. <laughs>
0: um, I was going to ask, I was going to, I was going to, um, ask about the, what, cause you said it, it starts when, um, women first start to bleed and we yeah. had this fascinating conversation on our, our, uh, Patreon hangout a few weeks ago where, mm-hmm. um, these, the, uh, some of the people on the call were talking about the first time. Um, that they had their period and 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 having to ask their parents for tampons or like ask a sister or a friend what they should do, and it's something as a as a guy who's never had to experience that that I never thought about. And then I was like, holy fuck, what a traumatic experience that could be for somebody who hasn't been told that that's going to be a thing that happened or had to hear or learn secondhand about it from a friend or a sister or. Um, maybe a parent that, like, loosely told them that it would be something that they might experience it. And, and when I was hearing these stories, I couldn't imagine how how challenging they are. Like, they all had the fact in common was that they were challenging experiences. And I thought, man, yeah. that's fucking crazy that, like, that they all have, like, any, anybody who has a vagina has to fucking deal with that. <laughs> and And we just don't talk about it. And we don't, it's so unnatural for us to have a conversation about it that it's no wonder it's traumatic because... It's not something that's in like the lexicon of things that we we discuss with our friends and families. And and yes, uh, yeah, it's fucking crazy. I'm
4: so happy that you recognize that. And I I work really. I really focus on that moment of, you know, when a woman starts bleeding. That guilt and shame starts from that age. That's like 12 years old, 13 years Mm. old, and women, you know, society supports that guilt and shame. So perhaps with your family, you experienced it but then also you look around in society and it's like, Oh, like hide your blood (laughs) or you see a commercial it's like the blood is blue. And you know, these, these ads, like, it's like you're never even bleeding go to work and no one will ever notice. It's like, fuck that. Like, Oh, sorry. I shouldn't be swearing. Um, don't, don't hide it. Don't shame it. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist. Uh, it does exist and it's beautiful and you should nurture it and nourish it. So unfortunately we don't get that message. And then, You know, I work with the subtle bodies. Um, Yes, you have a physical body. Yes, we all know that. And you go to the doctor and you go to heal your blood, your cramps, your endometriosis, and the doctor is focusing on, you know, your physical body. And he's giving you ways or she's giving you ways to block it, to suppress it. Or, you know, I know, and this is for members of my own family, they're told to have a hysterectomy. As a solution. Mm. <laughs> oh, you have really bad cramps. Mm. We'll just take your whole uterus out. So I I work with not just the physical body with my yoga therapy studies, but I work with your subtle bodies of your energy and your emotion. What's living there that's making you suffer. That's where the guilt and shame lies. So I go into all of that, mm. those layers, like you're, you know, those Russian dolls, you know, that you put one in mm-hmm. one side. Mm. That's what we are. Right. So I go into all of those little dolls And I see what's there. And then we release it and get that out to start the healing process. Mm.
1: Do you like, so, you know, one thing with having attended many yoga teacher trainings over the years, um, you know, an intensive one month yoga teacher training is like, for a lot of people, it's like this very uh, epic kind of intense, um, uh, like life process where a lot of a lot of things bubble up to the surface and it's really it can be really intense for people um and for a lot of people it's like extraordinarily therapeutic um i i can only imagine that like in the work that you do so through the the course that you lead or even through your your one-on-one sessions um it must be pretty it must be pretty common for like past traumas to surface in, in oh, the yeah. work that you do with, with the clients that you work with. Um, yeah. how do you <clears throat> like getting into this work? Like, do you, is, was that overwhelming for you? Like, did, did you feel like you had the tools to, to, to like hold space for those people in those moments and, and to, to navigate those really challenging moments in life when, when, when that, when that energy starts to arise, like of yeah. past traumas coming up like this?
4: yeah so first off you wouldn't believe how much trauma lives in the womb spaces of women it's it's Mm. insane because it's just not a part of our society it's not an offering you know like let's heal your womb trauma we don't really talk about it so yes there's a lot there it's very heavy um i'm very qualified because i've been through it so because a lot of Mm -hmm. women coming to me have been through you know sexual assault, rape, sexism, um, all of these experiences. And I can tell them like, yes, I've been through this and I've actually healed myself with these modalities. Mm. And I'm also a trauma-informed teacher. So yes, I took a course to be trauma-informed and it's a huge part of my offering. And I also do a lot of volunteer work for yoga outreach. So ongoing working with women who are fleeing violence and Mm. who have been victims of abuse and assault. So it's a very consistent part of my work and it's like an ongoing learning for me Mm. to also, you know, even just a simple thing, you know, as knowing how to be an active listener, I have a lot of sort of guidelines Mm. when I work with women because when we gather women love to compare, (laughs) Oh, I've been through that. You should do this, you know, that sort of talking Mm. and it really sort of diminishes the experience and the healing. So there's all these little things that I know of how to create a safe and sacred space for women to heal and how to hold space. That's what I'm doing is I'm just simply holding space for women to you, do their own empowerment.
1: Yeah. Did, I, did, like in that, in that work that you're doing or, or in the, in the early stages of doing that work, did you find that it, it was like something that would um, like, did you have to tiptoe around triggering your own past dramas You know, like that's one, uh, no, okay, okay.
4: Yeah, and that's such a good question because something that I talk about a lot is spiritual bypassing with teachers where they're, you know, live, laugh, love and all this wonderful stuff. And it's like, well, what about your own stuff? Like you've not faced your own wounds. So I do shadow work. Uh, This is sort of Mm. like a Carl Jung route modality that I take. And it's a huge part to my course, Reclaim Your Feminine Power is I, the first module is shadow work for three weeks. That's all you do. And I do it a lot too because I need to face my own wounds and I need to release my triggers before I can be a guide for other women.
1: Can you explain what shadow work is? I've I've actually I've heard yeah. this come up recently um with my, my my partner is doing shadow work and when she first when she first just brought it up to me, I was like, I just remember sitting there going what does that mean? Like, yeah. is that like unearthing your demons? You know, like, like going God into the, dark, the darkness of your life? Yeah, yeah. Can it's you explain scary. shadow work? Yeah, it sounds
4: scary, scary. And, and that's it's October. Why it's to... the scariest month of the, <laughs> the
1: year. So like, this is perfectly themed.
4: Could be your Halloween gift. Uh, <laughs> shadow work is not, it's not comfortable to look at your own demons. You can call them demons, your own wounds. It's not a comfortable thing. Hence why a lot of practitioners, yoga teachers avoid it. Uh, so shadow work involves sort of bringing awareness to your triggers, right? Because when we're not aware of what triggers us in life, we project it into relationships, into work environments, into our loved ones unconsciously. So I really take women through this process of three weeks of bringing awareness to their dialogue, to their inner thoughts. And then I pull them back into like the first time they felt that thought. What was the first experience with it? And then we do a lot of creative expression. So we come out of the mind. We do a lot of body therapy and creative expression to get right to the point of like, what are you telling yourself? What is your inner abuser? What are you saying to yourself every day? And I get women to express this out loud in a gathering and it's not nice. A lot of stuff comes up, you know, like I'm too old to matter or, you know, nobody's Mm. ever going to love me. I'm this, I'm that. So like, it just comes out and then we hold the space for each other and we do a ritual and a process to release it. And it's not nice, but once you, once you get that out, once you bring awareness to it, it loses power.
1: Mm. This, this this might this might be a stupid question, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go there anyway. Um, is it. is there is there. Um, is there uh, so I, I fully I fully like see and recognize the 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 importance of the work that you're doing. <clears throat> and there is a part of me that that wonders, like, is there is there is there. When it comes specifically to womb yoga, because I'm, I find I find this really interesting. It's the first time I've I've heard of womb yoga. Is there space? Is there a space for men to practice womb yoga? Um, Absolutely. And and okay, yeah. Like the reason I say that is because I I I feel like as as someone who's practiced yoga for for a while, and and also through like you know I went to acting school, so like through theater, like there there's a there was a lot of work to be done to like tap into. M- my own feminine side and, and the femininity that like exists within me. And, you know, no matter who you are, you have masculine tendencies, you have feminine qualities. Um, so like, is there, yeah, I guess that's the question is like, is there space for men to practice womb yoga? And and if so, what does that look like without it, without it? Um, I, I don't know, without it, like, uh, Taking away from from like who it's it's originally intended for, if if that makes any sense. No,
4: that yeah, that's a really good question, actually. So, womb yoga uh, is you also have to think about you know even saying the words womb yoga sort of excludes women as well, right? Because not all women have wombs. So I'm very cautious of whenever mm. I share my work i say listen this is an energetic space it doesn't matter if you have a physical womb so you can join this if you don't have a womb and you know for example if you've had a hysterectomy and you're looking to heal and connect to your energetic space so then for everyone else you've got to think of this energetic space if you connect to chakras if you're connecting to your sacral chakra then you too can practice Mm -hmm. this and a lot of women who took the training with me They teach it to everyone. It's not, you know, I've decided to focus in on women who bleed or who have bled, because I can't help. If I try to help everyone, I'm going to help no one, but Mm. yeah, you can certainly, and Mm. it would be really beneficial for men to practice this and ultimately what we're doing the greater, you know, the bigger picture of this work is, you know, the feminine energy of the planet. You know, my mission and my vision with this work is to heal the planet through connecting to feminine energy and everyone can do that. So once this planet mm. is more in connection with mother earth and with the feminine energy, there would be a complete shift. So yes, yeah, practice that is, it yoga, is, everyone. <laughs>
3: it, it is, it really, it is something that, that, um, I, and it was when I, it was when I started practicing yoga and you know, I've, um, I got, I started practicing yoga when I was 19 and, um, I was leaving, I was leaving, uh, the pursuit of a, of a, of a career playing hockey and, um, and, and had spent, you know, God, I don't know, north of 95% of my time in a, like a supercharged masculine, uh, space from, you know, the time I was, you know, besides being at home, really, um, you know, my, friend group at schools and and all and the teams that I played on and the spaces of the teams I played for and everything that and then and then all of a sudden being being launched into um into the into the world of yoga and being surrounded by you know like 85 90% females all the time opening up a yoga studio working with predominantly females teaching predominantly females you know uh it just like it totally it totally shifted my perspective really quickly on and was really in that first training on how on how rampant it is for us like you said Jar like we all have we all have masculine masculine qualities and we all have mm. feminine qualities and and there's it's over the over the years, especially from the masculine side, it's like to demonize the fact the idea that you could be feminine in any way or that there could yeah. be feminine qualities that it's like the, to not to not like recognize and embrace the the balance of the two mm. is un- from from where from where whatever you know for to be for lack of a better term like whatever side of the line you're on uh whatever side you identify with like you know it it it, it really was it really i was really kind of awoken to that in my early twenties. And, and, and I feel like sometimes when you, when you wake up to something like that and it becomes your normal that now you recognize that sometimes you kind of forget that it's still so, it's still so, uh, such a big kind of problem because I see that a lot uh, in a lot of spaces where, where, I mean, the, you know, you could look at, you could look at political climates, you could look at social climates and go, Oh my God, if there was a better understanding of the balance between masculine and feminine energies that everybody mm-hmm. has, things would be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can't help but think that, especially oh, yes. you know, in the climate <laughs> that we are now where, mm-hmm. where we're, you know, we're mm-hmm. approaching this, like this federal election in the U S and the Canada mm-hmm. is obviously we're up in Canada, but we're obviously highly influenced by that. And and it's the, the, just the social climate is supercharged and, and, and just having this conversation, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm forced to think about how, how much better of a position we'd, I think we'd be in if we could reconcile the, the balance of those two of those, those two energies that everybody has, but unfortunately is stigmatized to a certain degree. Yeah.
4: Mm, I love that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's, that's, you know, my vision with this work. And there's this quote, I can't even think of who I say it all the time to women is, you know, you're a very cyclical being living in a very linear world. It's a very linear world, masculine based mm. world that we live in. Um, but yeah, imagine, imagine if we could be more in tune with Mother Earth, with feminine energy, with the cyclical way of life, how different things would be.
1: Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's uh, it makes me excited about the the work that you're doing and also just like just becoming more aware of of this sort of work, like over the last couple of years, especially with especially with like the work that my 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 partner is doing and and just hearing this kind of stuff. It just I don't know. I get I get so excited about it. Um, uh, Speaking of excited. Uh, our our patrons were really excited to hear that we were talking to you, Joss and um, Megs. One of our patrons actually submitted a question uh, for you, and I feel like now is a better time than ever to tackle it. Uh, so this again, this came in from Megs on our Discord over Let's at Patreon. How can someone begin loving and accepting her womanhood when infertility has been a part of her life for years, and who is child free despite best efforts? It seems like so much value in being a woman is placed in being a mother.
4: Mm. Oh my gosh. I hear that so much. You wouldn't believe how many women feel inadequate because they haven't had children. So something I post consistently on my social media to remind women is that your womb space is a hub of creation. Some women birth children, some women birth ideas. So whatever you choose to birth from your Mm. womb space is equal, okay? You don't have to birth children and be fertile to be in your feminine power. And that's a tough one, but, you know, that process of feeling empowered, that process of trusting, you know, whatever your path in life is, whether it's with children or not, uh, number one, it involves going into that shadow work. What are your mindset shifts that you need? You know, what I hear from what that question was, is that I am not a full woman if I don't have a child. Like, okay, how we gotta get that out of there. Like we have got mm. to remove that thought because you're choosing that thought and you're saying it to yourself every day. How is that making you feel probably mm. terrible? And then that's living in all your bodies like that Russian doll in your energy, in your spiritual body, in your physical body. You're holding on to that. So mm. it's possible and a lot of women that I work with are releasing that. But it's not it mm. doesn't happen overnight, but it it does happen. You do heal from that.
1: I love that idea. That's that, that sentiment of birthing, birthing ideas. Like that's something that as, as someone, as someone who, you know, as, as a male who is in, I'm, I'm, I'm sterile. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't help conceive a baby Mm. even if I wanted to. Um, that's, that's been a, that's been a statement that I've always, Mm -hmm. I've always felt to be true, but I've never actually heard it put to words and uh and i really love that the the yeah. the power yeah. of, of 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 birthing ideas like that is that is just as valuable as bringing life into this world absolutely um, so thank you thank you for 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 answering that Yeah. Um, i know that uh so this is this is coming out t- today is friday um i know that next friday you have uh you're starting a course Uh, do you want to, do you want to give yourself a little plug? Like where can people find you on social media and what is the course that you, (laughs) you have coming up?
4: So this course is 10 weeks. It's called reclaim your feminine power. I just did it over the summer and the women had huge transformations. It was so wonderful and beautiful to work with them. Uh, the course is broken down into three modules. The first module is going into the shadow. The second module is where you rediscover your body. That's where we get into the womb yoga practices and a lot of other stuff. Um, The third module is where you reclaim your power. That's when we come into the mindset shifts where I sort of guide women to see all of their feminine experiences as heightened states of consciousness and their powers. And we get into trust um, and boundaries and all of that wonderful stuff that women need to be strong, to be confident Mm -hmm. and to feel inner harmony. So this course is delivered online and it's live and it's two two uh, sessions per week. One is a group coaching and then one is the womb yoga where we just get into the body, into the expressive movement. And I do lots of one-on-one support with these women. And I'm just so excited to do it again because it was such an incredible transformation that I witnessed over the summer. Mm. Women of all ages as well. I want to stress that like some women were in their 20s. Other women were going through menopause, wanting guidance on that. Some women were going through postnatal recovery. Some women were just really, really struggling with either terrible menstruation issues or just feeling disconnected from their body and wanting to like connect to sexual and creative power. So whatever your reasons for joining Mm. this course, they can be totally unique. And I hope to connect with some women who are listening to this right now.
1: Yeah, totally. So where can people find your website? Where can people find you on social media?
4: Oh, good question. (laughs) I guess I should say that, right? So if you want to learn more about the course, go to wildwomb.space slash reclaimyourpower. And you can read all about the course there. If you want to find me on social media, on Instagram, it's wildwomb underscore Joss, I believe. I should know that, right? I'm going to check right now. Yeah, wild Womb underscore Joss, J-O-S-S.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. Joss, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today to... Uh, to sit down with a, a few uh, a few bros from out East to dive into the world of femininity and, oh my God. and womb yoga. This is, so uh, this is always one of our favorite things to, to tap into. So <laughs> it's been a real joy and it's been a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.
4: Thank you. I'm so honored for being here and for chatting with you guys. I hope we get to do it again.
1: There we go. That was our conversation with Joss. I hope you enjoyed that. And um, listen, folks, that is it. That is all for this week. Uh, We love you. And we thank you for tuning in. And as always, if you enjoyed that, we will be back on Monday. And we're always here on Friday for your Sick Boy Fix. But if you want more, if you're an absolute fiend for it and you want more, uh, go on over to Twitter or go to Instagram and follow us at sickboypodcast
2: yeah you can get some of those pics that Jeremy was just talking about yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah can't I've been putting it. them on our stories can't guarantee it but also can't <laughs> not can't
0: yeah
3: exactly yeah potential nudes I'm coming your Dude, way
0: Jer I swear to God if you send me a nude I'm putting it on our Instagram oh wow that's heavy I'm just saying that's the
1: yep and then and then Lauren doesn't have a job <laughs> <laughs>
3: And moving swiftly on, if you have any questions, comments that you'd like us to read on the show, just like we did at the top of today's show, right, uh, reading you some sweet little stories and some social posts sent our way, or if you want to apply to be on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com or email us direct at letters at sickboypodcast.com.
1: Yeah, but and... really, but, but hold on though, because it's going to fucking confuse people, Taylor. You got to get this right. If you okay. want to apply, you go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and there's a specific place to apply. But if yeah. you don't if you send you, us an email, if you apply, if you send us a
3: letter, if, you send, if us, you send us something to letters at sickboypodcast.com and it has something to do with why you should be on the show it's Fuck not, off I, it's because I'm, you yeah, can't because exactly. you can't
2: i'm just gonna send you a reply with the link to the guest application form and an insult we're <laughs> <laughs> gonna kind. do that
0: just to get an insult you know exactly
2: here you go <laughs> stupid oh
0: man uh shoot uh so sick boy podcast is produced <laughs> by lauren sankey taylor mcgillivary jeremy saunders and me brian stever Uh, The sound design on the show is done by Donovan, the C-Pat Morgan. Hopefully, he cut out Taylor telling you all to fuck off. No, Uh, but he probably did. I do the Friday (laughs)
1: episodes, Brian. I'm doing the sound design
0: this week. And (laughs) Sigboy is managed by Jeff Lonis, who is a slice of cake uh, after a really lovely dinner. Mm
1: -hmm. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, and this is.